Oh God. <laughs> oh God. We should just oh we should God. just start. We should just I'm not no cold intro, just just talk. Okay, okay. About whiplash? I don't know, you gotta introduce yourself first. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And we just watched Whiplash, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Madness and Movies podcast. Where we uh, examine madness through the lens of pop culture but kind of sometimes we're like examining pop culture through the lens of madness and it kind of goes both ways yeah, and we're really like interrogating yeah movies and the things around us and going you what do you really mean by that <laughs> and they're like uh, 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 uh. <laughs> it's an underdog story and we're like uh-huh yeah yeah sure sure it is sure it is <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like, but my name is Jamie and Chazelle, and I just made Whiplash. We're like, uh huh, sure you did, sure you did. <laughs> um, yeah, this movie, wow. Yep, we're we're like amped. Yeah, and like just no no caffeine, no stimulants, just <sighs> <laughs> yeah. adrenaline. Yes, adrenaline. And we we finished the movie like half an hour ago, and we've been blabbering about it. Yeah. We're still just like riled up by it. So like. Yes. Be ready. <laughs> Should I do the synopsis? Sure. Okay, plot synopsis. Um, Andrew, whatever the fuck his name is, <laughs> wants to be a drummer. He wants to be a great drummer. He wants to be one of the best drummers. He wants to be one of the greats. He doesn't just want to be great. He wants to be one of the greats. And so in pursuit of this, he enrolls in the best music conservatory in the country, according to him at least, uh, and he is quickly recruited to play in the top uh, ensemble there. Uh, and this, he meets, the, the, the ensemble is led by uh, Fletcher, played by J.K. Simmons, who is just fucking perfect, um, but who is also uh, kind of like a drill sergeant, but worse, just con- <laughs> just constantly just just swearing and insult and abuse and just throwing chairs at people and just screaming someone's out of tune so he's just, you know someone's out of tune I'm just gonna scream at them he is homophobic se- incredibly sexist uses a oh, lot of, of like misogynistic language oh god um very ableist says mm-hmm. like retard a lot um and what else? I feel like oh, I have. He, he, I he makes fun of, oh, fatphobic. Fatphobic. One of the guys is Irish. He makes a lot. Oh, yeah. of, makes Racist. a lot of Irish jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's fascinating. No, no black jokes. No, no, doesn't make fun of the black guys in the ensemble at all. Which is kind of like okay, Irish. Irish is acceptable. Yeah. Irish is acceptable, but ooh, no, no n words. My gosh, <laughs> don't do that. Um, um, so he's just an or- all-around horrible person. Yes, pretty but, much. Yeah. But and this is what's this is what makes this movie so fascinating is he sees himself as the good guy of this film. Yeah. He one hundred percent believes that he is doing the right thing by these by these kids and he is turning them into something greater than they could ever be on their own and that he's misunderstood and not respected for that. Uh, and eventually he gets he he keeps pushing Andrew, pushing and pushing and pushing him till and Andrew like gets in a car accident, like gets completely just you know, car accident. Crushed. Uh, like yeah, car. Truck hits him. Co- yeah, hit by a truck. Driver's side. Car, car is smashed in. His, he's bleeding. He's got this bleeding head wound. His hand is broken. And he still has this, like, need to, like, make Fletcher happy. And, like, 
runs, run like pulls himself out of the car and runs to the performance and plays for Fletcher and Fletcher's and then and then and then Fletcher's like you're not good enough and he like beats the shit out of Fletcher and so then Fletcher gets fired for abusing his kids and pushing them this far and how oh my god how could you but then Andrew gets kicked out of school because he like tackled a teacher on stage in front of a crowd you know and and it's just and so like Andrew feels like his life is ruined and but then he meets up with Fletcher he bumps into him out in the public and Fletcher's like hey I don't know if you heard, I got fired, some kid ratted on me, I don't get him, you know. And they have this, like, heart-to-heart talk about how, you know, uh, Charlie Bird Parker was only as good, it was only famous, was only Charlie Bird Parker because someone threw shit at him and was mean to him. And that the worst words in the world are, good job, are the two worst words in the English language. Nothing is more dangerous. Um, And he convinces Andrew to come back and play the drums for him one more time. And he puts Andrew in front of this crowd and he gives this this pep talk about how if you mess up, they'll never forget. But if you're good, they'll always remember you. But if you mess up, they never forget. And then puts him on stage and pulls the rug out from under him and embarrasses him in front of the crowd. And so then Andrew just like steals the show and embarrasses Fletcher in front of the crowd. And there's just this whole epic power struggle. And finally, and, and Andrew like at one point like tries to quit. And his dad comes over and is like, there, there, son, that's okay. Let's leave. Let's go. You know, you've got plenty of options. We'll go do something else. It's not the end. And Andrew, like, goes back on stage and, like, fights Fletcher for control of the band and, like, wins his approval. And he's, like, bleeding all over the drum kit. And it's, like, horrifying and exhausting and amazing. And Fletcher, like, right when he, like, he runs out of gas, Fletcher, like, eggs him on and, like, brings him back out of it and, like, pushes and pushes and pushes him. And he does, and it's this amazing crescendo of a performance, and it's just beautiful and horrifying, and it's it's it, it and it feels like Andrew's like lost his soul, but like won the recognition that he's always wanted, and he finally gets like a half smile from Fletcher, but you don't even get to see it. It's like framed out, like it's it's yeah. an off-screen smile from Fletcher, and it. Interesting. It, it is so interesting. Yeah, There's no smile. They yeah. cut out. Yeah, you don't yeah, get yeah. to see the smile. They cut before the applause of the audience. None of that matters. Yeah. None of that matters. He has sold his soul to the devil, <laughs> and he has finally achieved what he always wanted. And it just leaves you hanging on that. Was that a good thing? Was that a bad thing? How do you feel about that? That's the end of the movie. It just leaves you hanging. He just sold his soul. You can you see the split second where it just his life is over. And it just makes you and it just leaves you with that question, was it worth it? Was this all worth it? Yeah. It's a really amazing film. It's so good. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> so, I first saw this when I was a student at Penn. Um and um, I was getting ready to pursue my master's in social work. Everyone else in my class was getting ready to go work 80-hour weeks on Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And I chose to um, leave the upper middle class, kind of-ish, and pursue a master's in social work. Mm. And um, to my parents' great shame and embarrassment. Um, but I just remember our, our professor, um, I saw this like as part of a class, a film class that I was in and, um, it was my last semester and our professor, um, asked us in class, like, you know, what, what do you think of the dilemma 
in this movie between greatness and happiness that you see him constantly having to choose between like being great and giving up on everything that makes him happy, giving up on his dad pretty much, giving up on this girl that he's dating and basically says, I don't have time for you. I don't have time for like romantic relationships. I just need to pursue my music. He his hands are bleeding he's in like physical pain he plays through has head injury and he like he like gives up any semblance of like happiness or comfort to like be this great musician and i just remember raising my hand and being like this movie made me so happy that i have chosen happiness over greatness and (laughs) i just want to leave it at that (laughs) um and i still feel that way um, after watching this, but I'm just, I'm really interested in like, yeah, how madness is portrayed and in what side the movie is taking, if it's taking any side. Yeah. And that was, that was kind of my main question watching this time was like, what side is the director on? What side is the movie taking? Yeah. And, and I, I guess I would argue that the, the film is explicitly not taking a side mm-hmm. that it's, you know, you can argue whether it's succeeding or failing, but that it's, I guess pretty explicitly trying to posit that the sanity is subjective slash relative and what might seem absolutely just fucking crazy in one context is normal or what yeah normal or respected or a survival tactic or yeah in another context the 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 it's so it changes from scene to scene who's you know supposed to be getting the kind of the crazy eyes you know whose side the film takes mm-hmm. uh and i think that that's i don't know i think that's kind of the power of it that it it, it is intentionally kind of a roar shock test hmm. of uh yeah yeah whether you'd rather be happy or successful or whose side you take in any of this or who's who who you think is weird or uh any of that the like yeah i think this this is like a fascinating like conversation like get to know someone kind of conversation opener like some people you know everybody has sort of that like deep conversation like what do you think about ai what do you think are, are the computers gonna kill us in the next <laughs> decade right like you know you know everybody has that one like conversation piece that they kind of pull out when it's like so who are you and what do you think about robots? <laughs> and this is this is this is that. Are this is really? I don't know. I probably <laughs> I don't know if that's literally. <laughs> that's I don't know if cool. people literally have you do I that. I wish one. they did that. that what would, if everybody had one question? Yeah, like I would like that like, so much better. On the back than, of their like, hand? Yeah, then like who are you and what do you do? How how do you be productive in capitalism? No, no like saying, who are you and what do you think about robots? Like yeah. can we just do that? Well, I'm so, I'm saying like a couple a couple steps past that, right? This sort of, okay. who are you, how are you doing? Oh, you're so-and-so's niece. That's that's cool. What do you think? And yeah, and then, like, you know, a couple okay. drinks later, like, so what do you think okay. about robots, okay. man? Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, that's whiplash. <laughs> that's whiplash. That's It's such a fascinating a Rorschach test to pull out mm-hmm. and just, like, so what do you think of whiplash, right? Mm-hmm. And just what the way the other person reacts is so like telling. It gets it so much of who you are and what you, yeah, how you feel about the world and your role in it. Yeah, because I think 
I think it really depends on, yeah, on who you are, like what your values are in terms of who you see as mad um, or weird or, yeah, the crazy one in this film and who you don't. um, That I, I think a lot of times people would see... Fletcher definitely is mad. Um, or, what a maniac. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What an totally. asshole. Yeah, yeah. Um, and not that madness and being an asshole are the same thing, but I think they do get conflated. In Some, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Um, but I, I definitely think Andrew would be seen as, like, mad, as, like, oh, he's, like, so obsessed with this. He's giving up everything for this. Um, but then in other ways, I think... Andrew would be seen as, like, sane or, like, applauded in some ways or, like, glorified. I even, like, asked the question is, like, is the film fetishizing this at all? Yes. Is he, yeah, is he in some ways seen as, like, sane? As, like, oh, well, you just, you work really hard for your goals and and you attain them. And it's, or, or in some way, like, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be this kind of obsessed, like, loner, giving up friends, giving up family, as long as you make this great contribution, as long as you become one of the greats. And it is implied that he's, you know, becoming great at that. Yeah, yeah, because, like, it's implied or whatever, like, like, don't you want to be this good? Wouldn't it feel amazing? Like, there is that, I don't know. You know, when you complete something, when you're good at something, when you feel like you're good at something and you have that that satisfaction of like, yeah, yeah, I did that. Like, this movie is so saturated with that. Like, these moments Mm -hmm. of just pure, just the joy of an accomplishment of just going, oh, yeah, oh, my God, I can't believe I pulled that off. And it it really, like, it, it, it really sits on that note. And the, you know, and again, like it, it really it lets you feel that, mm-hmm. and then and then cuts it with just a little bit of like, I don't know, melancholy or just like the final scene, the final yeah. scene, right? There's he's it's just this 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 his it is the moment of his greatest success. It cuts back to his dad watching him through this little crack in the wall, and like the camera's like slowly pulling away, like his. This is his dad is his representation of everything of his his home life of his quote unquote like normalcy or whatever his ability his his family his anything outside of music anything outside of the pure pursuit of music and greatness and he's boxed out and he's like being slowly like drawn away and and it again it's this this moment of triumph and power and they just and he cuts it a little bit with just this like melancholy and this sadness of just like and that's it and this is what you're walking away from this is what you're leaving behind and it's it's just yeah i don't know i again it, it just it's is that is that sane is that completely insane is that that's insane? You can't, you know, look at you. Know, that's too much to give up. That's 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 madness. How could you? He's gone too far. He's been swept up in all this. He's not right in the head, or right like it's totally worth it. It's absolutely one hundred percent. You know, you gotta crack some eggs, break some eggs, and make an omelet. Mm-hmm. 
I also feel like it does a really good job of showing how conditional everything is that he gets, like every yes. accomplishment is. I think, I mean, it obviously ends on this note that feels a little bit more final, like, oh, like he's done it, he's accomplished it. But like definitely all throughout the movie, he'll accomplish something and Fletcher will be like, oh, good job or whatever. Well, not good job because he thinks that those words yeah. are harmful, but, <laughs> but he'll, you know, he'll be, he'll like nod in approval or whatever. You're doing okay. And then the next second you'll see um, he's like, oh, I, I saw this other drummer playing in the hall and I just want to give him a chance to take your spot. Um, or you No know, big, I only stack the deck against you. Yeah, or, or he'll just do something, anything that's a, a minor slip up, a mistake. His bus will have a flat tire mm-hmm. and he'll be, you know, a few minutes late to something and Fletcher will just immediately, like, take away everything that he's accomplished and yeah. he's suddenly just worthless. So I, I think... If you're it, not first, you're last. Yeah, yeah. I really feel like it, it shows the conditionality of of greatness of like you're you're only as good as your last success um you're only mm-hmm. as good as what you're doing right now here in this moment nothing that you've accomplished is going to last longer than you know however long it is and I, and I don't know if that's what they intended with the ending um with with not showing Fletcher's smile like if if that was part of it of like mm. Eh, yeah. It's a half win. Yeah, it's like, okay, you want to smile right now, like, but it's, you know, that's conditional or that's going to go away soon as soon as mm. you make your next mistake, like, mm. I don't know. Yeah, and I thought I thought it was more than just saying that, like, none of this matters, that, like, the accomplishment, mm. the, the, the greatness is what matters, and even Fletcher is just is a is a tool is a stepping stone mm. is a you know is, is he's there he'll make you great but he's not the his approval isn't what matters mm-hmm. his approval is not the end the finale the the hooray you made it the mm-hmm. prize at the end of the road mm-hmm. yeah gosh should we just go into that final scene sure do you want to just just deep dive this thing because this I think is just it's incredible it's so like visceral like I was pointing out all the I was noticing all the little things sweat on the keys that they'll they'll show shots of the piano and it's not just some clean shiny piano there's like sweat on it and there's blood on the cymbals and at one you know at one point they have this like slow motion kind of like the world slows down and gets kind of quiet and distant and you can see the like the sweat drip off of his ears in slow motion Mm -hmm. and like see the symbols kind of reverberating it's just it's so intense and i like it's one of those scenes where you realize you haven't blinked in eight minutes you know you're just like glued to the screen glued to the screen like locked in place heart racing like what's going to happen what's going to happen what is going on right now um but it just oh chills um yeah, um, for me, I, I guess I, I don't know the Fletcher's like, when, like when Andrew like takes control of the band, right? Like steals the band from Fletcher. Like Fletcher like brings Andrew out and embarrasses him on stage and kind of sends him away. And then Andrew comes back and just starts playing, just starts playing, and and Fletcher comes out, you know, walks over to him and says, you know, Andrew, what the fuck are you doing right now? 
And he just looks up and with it, he just says, I'll cue you. And Fletcher kind of stares at him for a second. And then kind of nods. And it's like, not quite approval, but almost like understanding, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm. Just gives him this half nod and just lets him continue. Steps back like that moment like that they meant they weave all this like emotion it's it's subtle Mm -hmm. it's subtle but it's it's perfect and it's woven right into the fabric of this like huge important scene it's not big important scene comma emotion over here on the side they do it both at the same Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. uh and and he goes through this uh, i don't know I, i i i think it's control it's that Andrew is in control. It's this whole scene is just a, uh, it's a power struggle. It's it's all just control, 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 and and uh, and just so much important and so much meaning on being in control of yourself, yeah. of your body, of the situation, mm-hmm. of other people. You you have to control that to be great. And people who can't control themselves will never be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And oh god, you can jump in at any time. I'm just yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. It's just interesting because I think that relates to madness in some way. That like, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be the obsessed, crazed like person. As long as you control it and it doesn't control you. Yes, as long as you channel it into yes. yeah, into your music and you like rise above it or whatever. Um Yeah. Yeah. I'm so I'm like I'm like talking so much. I'm like overpowering you right now, but just yeah, no that totally I had when I was in college, I had a uh I don't remember what it was, exams or some personal drama or whatever, but some week or month of just overwhelming, just sadness and just, I was just miserable beyond words. And I just kept beating myself up the entire time for not making something of it because that's what it is in these movies that's what it is in whiplash mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is you're you're sad and you're miserable and you channel that and you play the drums harder than you've ever played before and i wasn't i was just sitting and it just like it almost like that narrative has a dark side that if you're not doing something with your with your sadness then you're wrong and you're doing sad wrong and yes. you're a bad bad mad person sad person yes so I think that takes us to the myth of the mad genius or yes. the mad artist, which I've been longing to address in some way, and I think we'll be addressing it in a few of the podcasts we have planned over. Oh yeah, no, this yeah. is this is recurring. Yeah, it is. I mean, it came up in Edward Scissorhands too. I think. Bit, yeah. Um, yeah, I think in general we can see this idea in almost every film. I think that like a disabled or mad person is like okay or it's acceptable for them to be disabled or mad as long as they're useful in some way yes as long as they do something useful with it even going back to our first like podcast groundhog day like Mm -hmm. it's okay that he's like repeating the same day over and over like reliving that and kind of going through this thing because he like uses it to like better himself and everything um and so there's this idea that shows up just about everywhere that, yeah, that, like, 
mad that it's like okay to be mad it's okay to be weird and different because those are the people that are exceptional those are the mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. that are mm-hmm. successful I, I even like I feel like growing up I was always like kind of like the nerdy awkward girl but like because I I got good grades and I was smart it, it was always this narrative of oh well no one likes you because you're just really smart but one day people will be working for you like mm-hmm. um, like they'll you'll as long as you can as long as you can harness this yes as long as you can like perform productivity in the right way mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. whether that's through art or um you know science whatever it is um then it's okay to be mad it's okay to be disabled as long as you can be useful um and yeah 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 and i think that yeah that this movie is like really showing that that it's it's almost um yeah like he's it's i think according to like Fletcher or according to the character I think his perspective is very much that like it's it's okay for him to be like um this kind of yeah obsessed like person who's like giving up everything for his art because he will meet certain standards of greatness and of success yeah no absolutely I I I and I think that's what makes this movie so good is yeah is just that like Fletcher thinks he's right. Fletcher thinks it's okay. Yeah. Fletcher thinks it's good. There, oh, that's I don't know. Like, yeah, a really that's that's such a good villain. Like, I, I love I love that yeah. in a <laughs> because yeah, yeah. So after watching this, um, I it made me think of the Apple commercial. Yes, um, yes, yes. Think yes. different. The we should link to this in the show notes if there's a way. No, what we're going to do is we're going to pause right now and we're going to play the audio from it. Okay. Here's to the crazy ones. The misfits. The rebels. The troublemakers. The round pegs in the square holes. The ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them. Because they change things. They push the human race forward. And while some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. So that was the, that was a famous world-changing computer market-altering commercial, am I right? Like, that that feels important. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that's, yeah, that's just one of Apple's most, like, famous commercials, and... um, For good reason. Like, goddamn. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's it's genius marketing. Um, It's... When you say that, are you saying... 
it's very good marketing or you're saying it's marketing the concept of genius? Oh, I think it's it's very good marketing. Okay. Like but it, it is also in the sense is, of like it brings in a lot of money for Apple. Oh, yeah. But it's <laughs> Not also in the sense of like this is a good message. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I I get that. <laughs> okay. I get that, but also that it's marketing the concept of genius to people. I yeah. thought that was what yeah. you meant by genius uh, marketing. I mean, yeah, it is in a very specific way, but I, yeah. I think it's also just like it like I, I think, yeah, what's so fascinating about that commercial um, is that it's repackaging all of these, like, American neoliberal, like, independence almost ideals in a way that makes them seem new and novel and as if they aren't the dominant ideals. Yes, like, yes. It's like, oh, like the different people, the people who are weird and crazy, like they're the ones who succeed and conform to the ideals that we all love and we all call heroes and we all <laughs> glorify and glamorize and look up to. But don't worry, they're outsiders just like you and me. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're re it's I don't know, it's fascinating the I don't know, just to think about the arc of the people in the commercial, right? That they're they're like outsiders who are sort of, like, posthumous insiders. They're like, Martin Luther King died, and then we all picked out the five quotes that we like from him and declared him to be an American hero and one of us and, oh, one of the greats, and oh, boy. And yeah. he's, like, a posthumous insider, I guess. And then Apple goes and recasts him as an yeah. outsider yeah. so that they can recast him as an insider, so they can react. <laughs> they're, rea- they're, they're casting him as an outsider and then reacting to their casting of him and going, ah, but he's not. <laughs> yeah, it's like such like a layered, complex, like mind fuck thing. Like such so many levels of like manipulation and like right, like framing and like yeah. Um, and yeah, I think one reason that that commercial that I find it like fascinating and horrifying is just that I think that Mad Pride is sometimes cast in that way. Of mm. like, oh yeah, of course, Matt. Like I, I get this feedback all the time. Of course, I'm pro Mad Pride. It's it's the ones who are different, the weird ones, the nerdy kids, the 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 mad, the crazy ones who are the best artists, who are the best CEOs, who are the best executives, who bring us the brightest ideas. And I'm like, no, no, my Mad Pride is about. It's it's okay not to be a CEO. It's okay not to be a great artist. It's okay not yeah. to do anything that's monetarily valuable for society. It's okay to just exist and be a person. And, like, that is mad pride to me. It's okay to be disabled. It's okay to be very sick. It's okay to be miserable, whatever. And not because you're contributing something, not because you're doing something useful, but just because it's okay, period. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. that commercial, I feel like, and and just a, a lot, not just that commercial, that commercial is the embodiment of like a long tradition of like taking this idea that it's okay to be disabled or it's okay to be mad and like, like really like, um, like you, like I guess co-opting that or yeah. taking it and using it for these like awful, very oppressive purposes and being like, yeah, like you can perform in this way and still succeed in capitalism and like yeah, and, and to even like undercut it from the other side, like this is the only one I know, but I guarantee it's not the only one. Is that Martin Luther King was like a pool shark? He was like the cool kid on the block. Yeah. That, that he wasn't even 
disabled or weird or different. That, that like they're you know that it's not that he was the outsider. Ooh, weirdo, and that's it takes a weirdo to make change history. Like, no, he was the cool kid. He was a charismatic. He was a charismatic boy wonder, and people followed him because we like those kind of people. And so to turn around and right. and use him as your justification for this is like doubly like mind fuck. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, people of color are very oppressed and one of the most oppressed groups in society and everything. And like, yeah. So I don't know, you know, how much of a okay. cool kid he could have been. Okay. But I think what's interesting is that. I think there's a lot of narratives that say, like, it's okay that he was black, even, or it's okay that he was oppressed because he, like, led to this great change. Like, it's okay that he was part of this minority group because look at the leadership he took and the great things he did. And I, I'm not sure that we give the same narrative to lots of other, like, black protesters and leaders hmm. um, and people who participated in the civil rights movement. Like, I think we don't have the same narrative at all around like Malcolm X even. Um, yeah, I, I think yeah, yeah. we, yeah, like it's, yeah, we have this narrative that like, it's okay to be like part of this marginalized group if you still like fit the narrative in a lot of mm -hmm. ways, or if we can take your story and adjust it to fit the narrative that we want it to fit. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess I guess maybe that's what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Martin Luther King fit that narrative among his community. Yeah, yeah. And then I guess I don't know somehow transcended that. But but yeah, but it's but it's an obstacle that he's black. But like but like in a different context, he's yeah whatever the cool kid. But then you put him in greater society, he's not cool. But because he's not cool there, then he is cool. And it's just, it's, it's so, <laughs> yeah. it's so trippy going down this rabbit hole, you guys. It really is trippy, yeah. <laughs> just trying to, like, put it into words. But, yeah, it's, like, it's taking this idea of, like, non-dominance and, like, or, like, yeah, and, yeah. Or it's taking, like, fitting the dominant narrative and, like, putting it into terms where it's, like, oh, that's actually not cool. That's actually not part of the dominant narrative, like re recasting it as outsider. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so... So whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, I think whiplash is playing with that. I'm not sure how much it's critiquing it or just... Or how much it's aware of it, I guess. Yeah, I'm not sure how much it's aware, how much it's like a critique versus just like playing into the narrative and just going with it. I think... Fletcher and Andrew for sure think that they're kind of this like these misunderstood geniuses who are just trying to like advance the next generation of great art. Yeah. And that's kind of the narrative they have about themselves. And I, I think what I'm struggling with is like, is the movie taking their side mm -hmm, or not? Mm -hmm. Is the movie like trying to complicate it? Is the movie like casting them as like mad, like that they're mad because they think of themselves this way, almost like delusional or mm -hmm. is the movie trying to present like a, a kind of a balanced view and it's up to you. I think it's more the balanced view. And it's that's, that's my impression as well. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Yeah. And just to go back to my opening statement that it just, it, 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 I feel it really leaves you on that feeling of mm -hmm. like, like, was it worth it? Was it not? You decide. Cut yeah. to credits. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. And I, I, I think the mechanism 
by which they do that is is it's just such a I think what it is is such a subjective film that it it puts you in the shoes it, it it's not like a third party third person narrative sort of big wide angle camera like uh like Annie Hall right is sort mm-hmm. of we're just going to put the camera here and the people are going to do the scene this is very much like from the perspective of whoever is controlling the scene whether that's Andrew or Fletcher it's 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 all empathizing with the character and it's empathizing with different people at different times and I think that's how it sort of tries to balance this and tries to um, come to this sort of uh, landing of just uh, just just showing you everyone's perspective and saying who do you mm-hmm. what do you agree with who do you who do you feel most sympathetic to yeah I think so. Yeah. Like I, I don't. Yeah. Can I? Mm-hmm. I, I. Yeah. There's like oh god. Just from a a, a a craft, from just a craft perspective. Like, oh the sound design, the sound design. When Fletcher is in the room, every sound effect matters. Everything is mm-hmm. measured and tight and precise, and not only tight and precise, but like slightly exaggerated. Everything is. Mm-hmm. If you touch something, it makes a louder noise than than it should. If he opens a door, if he interacts with anything, it's louder than it would be. It's 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 colors. God, they use colors so well. Mm-hmm. Do you notice the colors? Yeah. Oh my gosh. They're like there's scenes where like f- they're on the same stage, but when it cuts to Fletcher, he's sort of framed in the green part of the stage. When it cuts to Andrew, he's framed in the orange part of the stage. Like, oh. <laughs> Like, oh, <laughs> it just, I, I just, I got to gush a little bit. Just, oh my gosh. Close-ups, all the little close-ups, the cut-ins of music notes and papers being shuffled. And, oh my, when, when he's like jealous of someone else who has a girlfriend, right? It like cuts this very close-up kind of rustling of him putting his hands through her hair. Mm. Like it's, it's, it's from his point of view. It's not just... Here is a man with a girlfriend. It's Andrew's point of view as he's jealous of this particular thing. Let me show you in slow motion. Hand through hair. It's beautiful. (laughs) It really is a beautiful film. Yeah. I don't know. I've derailed us. I just needed to gush. I just needed to, like, put that out into the world. I think one thing that made it confusing um, which side the film was on Mm -hmm. is that... You do see Andrew being devalued by his family. Like, mm-hmm. there's this scene where he's devalued in, like, this really horrific way. Oh, um, yeah. That oh, I just, it's... I personally loved because it just felt so familiar. Oh, I loved it, too. It's perfect. Yeah. The dinner scene. Oh, it's so People perfect. that have watched it, the dinner scene. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, what happens? He just, like, is sitting at dinner with his family, and his family's kind of, like... Oh, like how's the music going, Andrew? And he's like, "Oh, it's it's great. I just got, um, I just got into this uh, the studio band or whatever." And then they're like, "Oh, okay." And then it just and then quickly, the, and then the and then the cousin comes in. The yeah, the cousins come in who are like football players, yep. football model UN, and they immediately just start gushing about that. And oh, and did you hear like your cousins or? 
there he's doing so well on his football team and this one's doing model UN and oh and congratulating the father he just got teacher of the year is doing so great and then and how's that music thing Andy <laughs> yeah yeah and then um what do they say and then he he talks about like oh well I'm going to a competition soon and um, I guess one of his cousins says, like, well, like, how can you tell, you know... How can you judge music? Isn't it all subjective? <laughs> yeah, isn't, isn't it all subjective anyways? And and then I guess his uncle says, can you can you get a job from that? Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, and so he's, like, being subjected to this, like, intense devaluation that I, like, I could just sympathize with so much. Oh. <laughs> and, like, so I felt like in that scene, it really was casting him as, like, truly this, like, misunderstood genius kind of person or, or just just misunderstood misunderstood artist um and but then there were times yeah. when he did the exact same thing yeah. so like he can, was can i slow you down for just a yeah. sec that i think in that scene right the, the camera work everything it, it's it's again subjectively it's with him we're yeah. sympathizing with him and the family are the 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 mad ones it's like this creeping like societal you know suburban madness that just like oh i I don't know. It, yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, Maybe not mad, but definitely the villain or... Yeah, I guess. Yeah, because yeah. I don't think they're... Ca- I feel like their cast is, like, ordinary. And, like, ordinariness. I guess ordinariness, yeah, is almost cast as, like, a madness. But Yeah, it's, that's... Yeah, yeah. yeah. I but guess that's de- what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah definitely is, like, villainous. Is like, oh, like, yeah, look at these ordinary people who don't creeping, insidious. Yeah. Insidious, dangerous, ugh, normalcy. Yeah. Gross. Yeah. But then... Like, Andrew does the exact same thing. So he's with the girl that he's dating, Nicole, and he's breaking up with her. And um, he's he's saying, like, oh, like, you just want to be ordinary. Like, you don't really know what you're doing. You went to Fordham. Mm-hmm. Like, you're, you don't really know what you want to study, what you want to do. And, like, here I am with this big passion and this big drive to be great. And, like, I don't ever want to be forgotten. Like, I want to make history. And you don't. So, like, we're clearly on different paths. And, like, you're never going to get it. You're never going to get me. <laughs> Um, you're always going to resent me for not spending enough time with you and like hanging around you because like, cause you're not great. Like I am. Yeah, pretty much. And so he's doing like the exact same thing that his family does. And so I don't know. I, and I felt like in that scene, we were sympathizing with her. We were seeing it from her perspective. We were kind of seeing him yes. as the asshole, as the villain. Yeah. Um, and so in that, and like, and almost, I felt like it was portraying him as like a little bit delusional in that scene. Just a smidge. Yeah. Yeah. Of like, oh wow. Like he really thinks he's going to be this great person. And here he is just this like total asshole. Like he thinks he's going to be one of the greats. Okay. Sure, dude. Um, and so I'm not sure like, yeah, if, if it was like critiquing him, but then he does end up being great. Well, and... And every scene with the girlfriend yeah. is hard cut against a scene of him with Fletcher mm-hmm. in the ensemble where this kind of language and this kind of behavior is, uh, how do you say, it, it, it's almost like code switching, I guess, mm-hmm. that he can't code switch, that this is the language they all speak, this is the water he breathes, this is the water yeah. he's swimming in, this is the air he breathes, and then cut to... He's on a date with this girl, and it just and it seems totally foreign, and you're and it's from her perspective, and he's just kind of this like crazy asshole who just 
has this big and who's just has this big dream and is kind of like delusional and yeah. being being rude to her because he's delusional and he doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. My God, you'll never be that. You'll never be great. Just shut up and kiss me. Mm-hmm. And then it, you know, and then it's after he breaks up with her, right? Like it's this this scene where he's like, I have to be great, I have to be perfect, and then just hard cut back into, you know, and he's back into the the music world, and it's just, mm-hmm. and it's like this is the world where that makes sense, and, yeah. and it's 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 subjective, like like sanity is subjective and relative. Yeah, yeah. And then here he's not this, you know, delusional out of his mind. He's pretty good drummer, and he's he's working his way up, and you know. You know, it's that's Neiman, whatever, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's just not remarked upon. Yeah. And I I do think there's this idea though that like, oh, it's almost okay if he's an asshole in the other context if he really becomes great. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that's justifying it somehow. Yeah. Justifying the assholery. Yeah. But if he's delusional and like he doesn't actually become great, then like he can't be an asshole. Mm-hmm, then, mm-hmm. then it's a problem, then he's mad. So you, I don't know. Do you do you think it believes that from the beginning, or do you think that that's his arc that he gets boxed into being into this that he's he's pushed away everything else and Nicole went and got a boyfriend and he realizes he's burned every other bridge and this is all he has left and so it might he might as well at least be great while he's here. Yeah, I I was wondering if it was that I kept wondering I think the first time I saw it I kind of thought that that like he calls Nicole and she yeah she like to invite him to this to invite her to this final concert Mm -hmm. and then she says oh I don't think I'm gonna come and she says she has a boyfriend my boyfriend doesn't really like jazz yeah (laughs) um (laughs) (laughs) awkward yeah and so then he like goes to this concert and decides like chooses greatness or whatever so yeah. what i thought was fascinating about that scene though yeah was that he already when he's talking to her on the phone he already has bandages on his hands again yeah that he's already been practicing we don't see it we don't hear about it but it's just it's this subtle thing where he's his hands are all bandaged up again which yeah. means that he's kind of already chosen his path. Yeah, that's kind of the sense I got too. Like maybe he had already chosen because he did like he he was inviting her to the concert. Like Yeah. Yeah. He wasn't like reaching out, do you want to reconnect and then decides to do the concert when she says no. Like he already had chosen the concert. So Yeah. So I'm not sure if it was yeah, if it was like because of her turning him down that he chose greatness, but Yeah. Well, you could argue maybe it's the difference between doing the concert, yeah. seeing where it goes, versus, like, committing to it, and this is all I have left, and ah! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I like to think it's that. I think I, yeah, the first time I saw it, I definitely read it that way, because I think, I think that rings is, like, true, that, like, I think a lot of times, um, yeah, the, I think greatness can come from, feeling like one doesn't have a choice to be happy or feeling like mm-hmm. there's not such a choice between happiness and greatness. It's like, you can't be happy. So at least yeah. you're going to strive for greatness. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. <sighs> but I also worry about that framing because again, I, I worry that that does create this idea of like, Oh, well 
disabled people and mad people, like, they're not going to be happy. They're not going to lead normal lives. They're the weird ones. They're the outsiders. But you know Might what? as well buy a Mac. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 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 they can work for Apple someday. If they just, like, kill themselves and work 80-hour weeks and sell their souls, like, <laughs> it'll be great. <laughs> As long as they can control themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As long as, as, long they, can as control they can control them. it. Right. Yeah, like, because there. So, like, I, I really love this idea. I think um, Jess Stolman Rainey introduced me to this idea. Okay. Um, so, thank you to her and her work um, that there's, like, um, good, like, mad people and, like, bad mad people. Or mm-hmm. she specifically wrote about, like, good suicide attempt survivors and bad suicide attempt survivors. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I very much think like the good disabled person or the good mad person like buys into this narrative of being exceptional and like, oh, well, they're going to control it and overcome it and channel it into something good um, yeah. that's, you know, productive and that aligns with like capitalist ideals. Um, and then there's like the bad mad person or like the bad disabled person who like doesn't control it or doesn't overcome it and is on disability or doesn't work or chooses to stay at home or whatever and that's like very bad and like you're just being mad your whole life or like you're just accepting that you're just taking on this this role of like the mad person and like yeah what do you mean you're not overcoming it right right life should be a constant underdog story of overcoming and triumphing over whatever is the whatever is up at bat this week yeah. especially like if you're also not buying into the narrative that you're inferior or less than like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i i think that's the thing that you can either be like yeah like the the like superior mad person the exceptional mad person who's like van gogh and like well he was so miserable but he produced this beautiful art or you can be like the mad person who's like a good patient and like takes all their meds and is working really hard to like get better or is like acknowledging and apologizing for their madness and I'm so sorry about my disability like I know I'm so hard to deal with but like if you just want to be a person and just be like yeah whatever I'm a mad person that's part of who I am like and not be either exceptional or like apologetic for it, then that's like really bad. That's not acceptable. That's not really an option. Yeah. Can I make this about uh, Westerns? Yeah. Okay. I'm so curious. <laughs> this this was just like a weird, like, how do you say? Like that, that feeling when like two thoughts just kind of ram into each other, <laughs> like one thought T-bones another in your brain and you're just like, what? <laughs> As I noticed, I, I've ranted and grumbled about this a lot. In La La Land, which is Damien Chazelle, the director's follow-up to this film. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, La La Land, same director. Huh. Direct, okay. direct follow-up. Interesting. Both about jazz. Yeah. And both very much hinging on the idea that jazz is dying because we're not trying hard enough. Oh, that's interesting. And somehow that collided with Red Dead Redemption, because I've been seeing a lot of commercials for Red Dead Redemption 2, and suddenly I started thinking about jazz dying as, like, an old west town. Hmm. 
an old west town where like the last saloon is closing up and the <laughs> the uh whatever the 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 farmer's daughter has to sell the you know oh daddy left me the farm but it's all just tumbleweeds now there's nobody left and they're putting up you know the city's creeping in right the city's creeping in and you know this old way of life is dying it's dying slowly mm-hmm. and that that it I think it's a lot clearer in Western movies that that's always the 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 hero of the Western, right? The cowboy, whatever, is always sort of torn between. He's, he's sort of this liminal figure between the Wild West and civilization, and he brings civilization into the into the wild into the wilderness, but then can't be part of the wilderness and can't find a home in, inside civilization, and has to leave and just disappear off into the distance and that's kind of this a little bit hmm. just a little bit how so um sort of that you were talking about either being you know either being the good the good mad person who's overcoming and triumphing or whatever or the person who's like i don't know a victim of their yeah madness and it's sort of i don't know and i think I'm making this up as I go, forgive me, but th- th- like I don't know, whatever your your cowboys, your John Waynes, right, are the, the, the good ones that are trying to overcome and trying to be better than mm. um, and that that's that's Andrew in this film as he's he's trying to overcome his <laughs> desire for normal people mm. and he's trying to outgrow his dad and Trying and he's leaving the girlfriend behind, but I don't. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm trying to, think, but yeah. just that image, like I, that. I haven't thought through all the 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 intricacies of this, but it just it it feels so right. It feels like, mm-hmm. yeah, like Fletcher's band is like the last saloon out in the wit out in the wild west. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just such a. That's interesting. It's yeah. such a, a genre collision, but it is. It's it's the, that same structure, that same narrative, and that's because it's so important to this movie that jazz is dying. Jazz. This can't be set in the 1960s. Yeah. Jazz clubs everywhere. Oh boy, oh boy. I'm gonna make it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna be. You know. I'm gonna be on the next records, right? Because everyone was making it then. You're not. You're not amazing. This, this is like the last Andrew wants to be like the last like dying star like he's trying to reclaim something that's been lost or like right yeah that the fact that the director also yeah also did La La Land and that the message is yeah that like jazz is dying because we're not trying hard enough like that makes me think he's on Fletcher's side (laughs) (laughs) yeah that it's like I don't know because I and it I, is yeah okay is he on is he on Ryan Gosling's side at the end of La La Land? I felt the, like yeah yeah. I don't know. There's, I, it's the same kind of thing, right? He he loses it all. He loses it all. Yeah. Uh, in, in pursuit of his craft, and so does Emma Stone. Yeah. And and it's this sort of bittersweet like was it worth it like it's it, it, oh my god there's so much yeah. resonance and like interplay between these films yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's very true 
Yeah, in La La Land, I did feel like his message was yes, it's worth it. They both become, like, very successful. And and they're both happy, and they always wonder what could have been. But they're happier now. Don't worry about it. Move yeah, along. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, I think with Whiplash, where my big question is, like, how do you draw the line between a movie that's fetishizing that narrative? That, like, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. if you work hard enough and you put yourself through physical pain and it's it's all worth it and if if you're obsessive and mad like it's all worth it if you like yeah how if you become useful to society basically <laughs> yeah versus a movie that's like critiquing that narrative and like um when i think about the you know the graphic details they show with so much. The, the blood on his hand. Oh yeah. my god, the ice bucket shot. Oof. Whoa. Describe it for the okay. those who haven't seen it in a while. Andrew is he's practicing, he's practicing. Uh Fletcher's giving him this ultimatum and so he just he does he won't stop. He just he keeps playing and playing and playing and playing harder and playing faster and playing harder and playing faster until and he's like bleeding and he's just bleeding so and this there's this slow motion shot of just his like his fist. He just has his fist and it's completely just like drenched in blood like it's not some cut this is like his entire hand is just weeping and he has this uh, what do you say like a pitcher like you know just a, a the kind that a waitress would come to mm-hmm. you a restaurant some ice water sir he has one of these just filled up with just ice water and they have this slow motion shot of him just pushing mm-hmm. his fist into this ice water and just the water just like turning red and then it's just and then it just shows him he just has his hand in the bucket and he's just shaking and he's just like almost like frothing at the mouth and like anger and pain and like impatience and just like yeah and it's just awful and it's again just oh it's just beautiful and uh yeah but and it's so good it makes you feel that like I oh I felt like pain yeah, like it, yeah, it's yeah. such good filmmaking oh that my knows. gosh and then it also yeah in, in terms of like the car accident where like he's, yes. he's like a bloody mess and like goes into this concert hall um like and then in terms of like Fletcher's like emotional manipulation and abuse like you you really feel that too where he like yes He'll, like, praise him and be like, oh, you have nothing to worry about. And then, like, you, you just need to kind of chill and relax. And then... Yeah. And then... Just feel the music. Don't worry about the... Don't worry about the numbers on the page. Just feel the music and let it flow through you. Yeah. And then, like, you know, yeah, he'll do something wrong and he'll be, like, his position in the band will be, like, threatened or, like, yeah, like, Fletcher gives this other guy, um, this other drummer, like, a mm-hmm. chance, like, right in front of of Andrew. He's like, okay, so like both of you are going to play. And well, he gives the other guy the music a day in advance and then hands right. Andrew the thing and right. makes him play it on the spot. Just sight read it. Yeah. Yeah. So like, yeah. And then he's Andrew like messes up or whatever. And he's like, okay, you're out. And then the other guy is like, Oh, perfect. Um, so like, yeah, like y- you see all of this and, and also like, yeah, Fletcher is just incredibly, like, in terms of his language, just so intensely, like, homophobic and, like, misogynistic. He, like, um, uses, yeah. he, like, asks um, for Andrew's, like, family history 
Um, kind of just, just sort of conversationally. What's yeah. your dad do? Yeah. Yeah. What's your mom do? And finds out kind of that his mom left when he was a kid and then like uses that. Pulls out to, all like, the weaknesses. Yeah. Like humiliates him. He's like, oh, you're just like a boy who's like sad that his mom left him because your dad's a failure. Like, no, 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 no. You're the reason your mom oh, left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the reason that your mom left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so terrible. No wonder. Yeah. So like you see all of this. And so that makes me feel like, okay, good. They're like critiquing this idea that if you just work hard enough, it will all be worth it. And if you drive yourself mad working hard, like it's worth it. Like I, I, felt like it's critiquing because they're really showing these like awful horrible abuses physically and emotionally but then i feel like the ending is still somehow saying like oh look he's great it paid off <laughs> so i it I is don't, it's, i don't quite know yeah it's i think this is the problem i think this is like the rambo problem that rambo was supposed to be anti-war uh-huh. rambo was supposed to be a war movie that was anti-war but war is just so fucking cool. Oh, that's interesting. On yeah. screen, that it's it doesn't matter what message you try to sell, people see all the explosions and go yeah, that's <laughs> and that's it. And that's and so Rambo two was pro war because that's what people liked and so that's what the studio ordered more of. <laughs> that's really fascinating. Yeah. I think that's I think that's your fundamental problem here is no matter what. No matter how much you try to undercut the like cool factor, it's still really fucking cool. <laughs> yeah. He did it, and you can you can you can undermine that or talk around it or ooh, is it worth it? But it's still just so cool. It's really hard to push back against that. That makes total sense. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a lot of representation too. I mean, I think that's coming back to sort of what we were saying in the Taylor Swift song or what I was saying a little bit is that like, even if you're blank space, yes, we, we wrote a very long and detailed essay on blank space that, yeah, you should read. And we might link in the show notes yes. if we remember. Yes. But basically the idea is like, she's, she's critiquing. She's like setting up this persona to like critique and parody, but almost in like setting up this persona and representing this persona in music, in art, like in showing this person, it almost is like in some ways, like making that person acceptable just by nature of being represented. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. sometimes I think that's, that is the case that like in just representing something in a movie and giving it, like, you know, space. Um, yeah. That it it ends That's, up, yeah, glamorizing it in some ways. Yeah, it's tacitly supporting it or encouraging it. Yeah, and I, I think that's especially the case with, like, violence or with, like, yeah, with physical pain that, like, we really do fetishize in so many ways this idea of, like, overcoming physical pain or, like, oh, that person's in a lot of pain, but they're, like, withstanding it. Like, we How love... is he still walking? Oh, he's a tough one. That, yeah, we... That we, John McClane. We love that. We love that. And that's, like, so fascinating to me. I think it has so much to do with just, like, the Puritan work ethic. And I think mm-hmm. that is where, yeah. like you can portray violence to be as gory and bloody as you want, but we love it because the people are still by Overcoming. virtue. Yeah. By virtue of being there, by virtue of like withstanding it or like just, yeah, just enduring it, like it happening to them. We're like, Oh, like good for them. Like they're, 
they're really like overcoming it or they're really like sitting with their pain or whatever like <laughs> gosh and so yeah i i feel like even if the movie's intention isn't to fetishize it it like ends up kind of doing that yeah yeah again just by giving it space just yeah yeah and by having a good result right yeah like that he does attain greatness and so i think that is sort of people are gonna read it as like oh it was worth it i don't know yeah yeah i don't know and then like that just makes me wonder too like are they justifying fletcher and his abusiveness are they saying like that's all worth it is that how people are gonna read it Fletcher does throughout the movie maintain this position as like powerful and as in control and dominant and like people like that people respect that and I I do wonder if like it's somehow implicitly saying like yeah like it's okay yeah I I mean I struggle with that in real life that like Mm -hmm. I had a third year cinematography professor who just I don't think I fully understood what I had survived until I saw Whiplash and was able to just say very simply, she was my Fletcher. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, an unholy amount of reading material, right? Just, just, just dumping book after book after book on you, uh, dinging you on every tiny uh, inconsistency. If you mix up the word focus and focal, you know, well, you just, you know, you just lost five points off your paper. Like what? Um, drop, you know, uh, we, we had a test, right? We had a test that every person in the class failed and her response to that was not, oh, wow, I guess I made the test really hard or something. It was, you guys didn't do the reading, did you? Right. Like, not a person in the class survived. And she's like, yeah, sucks to be you. Told us there's no final project, there's no final project, there's no final project. Four weeks before the end of class gives us five films, assigns us five films, and tells us we all have to work on each other. So essentially at least seven to ten films because you have to, you know, you have to, you know, you direct five films, but you have to have someone else be your cinematographer on all five of those films, which means that you're someone else's cinematographer on five films, which means you've got 10 films to make in four weeks. Good luck, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Like, just pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing, and I came out of, you know, I came out of that, like, trying to just, trying to juggle, yeah, this exactly this. Like, was that worth it? I learned a lot. I genuinely felt more confident in my skills and abilities having survived that hell but like was that good and what did that mean and like I don't know and I I, I, Whiplash is the first film that I've seen that at least tried to wrestle with that Mm. and it's I I don't know I'm I'm thankful for that just to have yeah the language to sort of try to process I think what it sometimes misses mm-hmm. um and i i don't know i feel like i have complicated thoughts on this idea um but i generally think 
people can learn like in um in ways that are not like people can learn equally as much in ways that are not this style Mm -hmm. um and I do wonder like do you think you could have learned just as much um if the class had been more like I don't know just like a supportive learning environment or not so anxiety provoking or I mean maybe it would be stretched out over more time but could you have still eventually learned it and not like suffered yeah or you know I don't know as an example yeah warned us from the beginning that there is that the the final whatever that you get to the end of the class and the final is going to be hard and brace yourself for that and maybe even I won't tell you the details and I won't let you prepare for it at a time but just like I won't let you script it out ahead of time and you know have everything ready to go like say from the beginning like the point of this exercise is performing under deadline pressure and just understand that and know that and be ready for that when the when it comes because on November 16th I'm giving you hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I even just that even that would have saved so much stress and just anxiety and I don't I don't I I guess pain just just trying just this like struggle to understand why like why are you doing this to me like take away that why are you doing this to me. Yeah. Feeling everything becomes clearer and more, like, doable, Mm -hmm. I guess. I will just say, for me personally, like, I've had plenty of teachers who, like, thought they were being Fletcher. And were, like, Mm -hmm. I I feel like that's the other thing is that the film, like, makes it out to be, like, as if, like, Fletcher is, like, a dying breed. And, like, all these teachers now say good job. And it's, you (laughs) know. Right, old millennials with their their participation (laughs) trophies. Yeah, and, like, no, I I feel like by far I've had, I mean, maybe it's just because I I grew up going to elite schools and then I I went to an Ivy League. um, And now I'm in a PhD program and... Yeah, I think one of my instructors maybe thinks she's a Fletcher. I hope she's not listening to this. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, I, I don't know. So, like, I would say probably the majority of my teachers and professors throughout my life have been Fletchers. Um, mm. And they're not the ones that I've learned most from. And I'm I'm saying that as a mad and disabled person where, like, anxiety legitimately interferes with my ability to learn and to focus and if I'm really anxious and feeling like I'm not good enough I'm not good enough everything I do I'm gonna make a mistake I can't do this like that like really like and if it's like so overwhelming to the point I remember like I had this like chemistry teacher I hope she is listening to this um but she's not but um she's dead (laughs) (laughs) um I'm not gonna say I wish um (laughs) she was so mean um she was such a bully like I was so bullied by my classmates and she would like announce your AP scores out loud I remember I remember one time someone a student like missed class um to go to like a college visit we had Mm -hmm. colleges come and you know visit our school and do like interviews and things and someone missed class to go to an interview with wash U, Mm -hmm. um and she was like what is he doing missing class he doesn't have the grades to get into wash U, and i know that and she like (laughs) told she like told us his sat score she told us his grades yeah um 
this kind of stuff was allowed to happen at my high school. I went to a really effective high school, in case anyone is in, in not clear about that. Um, and so, like, yeah, but I, I just remember, like, just hysterically crying, like, when I when it came time to study for the AP chemistry exam, I, like, couldn't do it. I remember just, like, sitting on my couch and just, like, not being able to do it because I had this, like, overwhelming sense of, like, I'm going to fail. I'm going to get, a, God forbid, a three or four on this exam instead of a perfect five, and she's going to tell the whole class they're going to bully me and laugh at me more. It's, I'm going to be considered, like, delusional for thinking I could, like, get into pen or whatever. Like, this is hell. This is, like, I, I can't do this and like the the classes that I learned the most from in college in high school any time in my life have been the classes where like the teacher is like nice and like I don't know like supportive and like adapts the material to like just help you learn the most and so you just you know you yeah you work but like in a way that like feels comfortable or feels right for you or whatever and um yeah and yeah and you the classes where they like personalize it and and yeah and where there's like really positive encouragement and um every like yeah the classes that I've had where I've learned the most from are the classes where everyone feels like they're doing well and they're excited and enthusiastic about the class um and yeah, so so I don't know. I I hesitate. I like hesitate with that line of thinking because I feel like it's still like giving credence to this idea, this like neoliberal idea of greatness of like, oh, like you can be great and happy. Like you can do it all. Just lean in. Um just <laughs> What is lean in? Like people say that and I'm never quite Oh my god, lean in is great. It's uh, it's horrible. It's um, <laughs> it's I think it's this like brand of feminism um that Sheryl Sandberg, you know, COO of Facebook came up uh-huh. with. It's like, oh like you can do everything as a woman. You can like have a family. You can become CEO of Facebook. You can you can lead a feminist movement. You can ju- you just have to lean in. You just have to do more. You just have to lean be in. busier. Lean in means keep going even when you're tired. Yeah. Just lean in. It's such a like nice, like friendly, like smiley way of like this positive, you know, way of like spinning. Oh, positive thinking. Like, the power yeah. of positive thinking. Yeah, like of spinning this like, yeah, like you can work yourself to death and never sleep. Like just lean in. It's so fun. Like and so I really worry about like that version of things that like, oh, we can get students to be great. We can get them to conform to all the capitalist ideals and we don't need to do the harsh abuse. We can do the subtle, oh yay, you're doing so great. But and like Don't ever stop. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, I really worry about that. So, like, I don't know, I I hesitate to be like, oh, like, Fletcher just could have been the nice guy who just says, hey, buddy, Andrew, what are you doing sleeping at 4 a.m.? You need to be practicing. Yay. Hey, come on. We're going to do this together. It's okay. (laughs) Yeah. So, like. I'll get your sticks. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I, like, I really worry about that. But I generally also feel like, yeah, there there is this myth that, like, oh, like, the only way for people to learn anything is to, like, punish them and, like, <laughs> not ever say a great job. And, like, I just, I, I think, I mean, I think that's ableist because it really does, like, create, like, actual obstacles for people with learning disabilities and mental disabilities and, like, physical disabilities that, like, you know, any type of, like, 
physical punishment or emotional well, punishment is like gonna get in the way of their the life. other drummer the other drummer who yeah, can't that's an important part yeah the the other drummer can lose they lose the folder they lose the folder full of music and the other drummer can't play the song without the paper Fletcher's like the fuck you mean you can't play without the mm-hmm. folder he's like it's a you're aware of this. It's a memory thing. I can't, my mind, I need the visual cues. I need visual cues to help. And he's like, oh, visual bullshit. Oh, what? Get out of here. Right? And like, you know, shake, you know, chase them out. And, you know, and it's just like, you know, memory, visual, whatever. Get this bullshit out of my classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't, if you have memory problems or if you have, you know, whatever, any sort of disability, get out of here. You need to be perfect. Yeah. You need to be the perfect specimen of humanity. Yes. There was also, like, another moment that I wrote down in my notes where um, Andrew asks Fletcher during that, like, heart-to-heart or whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, he's like, hey, is is there, like, a line to all of this? Like, is there a line where you're discouraging people, where you're punishing people so much that they get discouraged and like the next Charlie Parker is just going to like walk out of the room. And he says the next Charlie Parker wouldn't get discouraged. Um, so yeah, yeah, that would never happen. You would never be able to discourage Charlie Parker out of the room because Charlie Parker would never get discouraged. So like I wrote in my notes, like, okay, that just means the translation is that the next Charlie Parker would not be disabled because... because yeah, that other drummer went to med school after that. <laughs> <laughs> Dropped out and went to med school. Like, <laughs> Yeah, but also, like, yeah, this idea that, like, I, I do think we have this idea of, like, oh, like, the greats, like, punishment and, like, emotional abuse doesn't affect them. Like, they persist and go on and, like... No, like, like in terms of disability, like mental disabilities, a lot of them like affect, like legitimately cause you to like experience discouragement, like punishment, like um, criticism a lot more strongly than average people do. Um, and yeah, like, I, I mean, everyone experiences criticism differently, but I think there are people who are a lot more sensitive to that kind of like criticism or you know if you if you call someone a retard the you know that isn't disabled or that doesn't have a history of being like abused that might I don't know um that might not be taken as like horribly versus like if you're disabled maybe that word has like a long history of like affecting people like you and so you know this idea that like oh like a great artist like not no insult is too strong to like bar them out of the room like no actually for a lot of people like that's that has a very real effect on their brain and body yeah speaking of which isn't there there's a new movie coming out now it's about what a black pianist who is just he's such a good pianist but it's in the like 1950s it's set in like 1950s south and it's and it's a black guy and his like Italian assistant, you know, this white guy, you know, it's this white guy, you know, driving this black man through the deep south and and just like, oh, why why does he keep going? Well, son, because of the strong, you know, no, not to let it take, you yeah. know, don't take it personally or whatever. And it's this it's this shining example of courage and strength. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really... Because that's that's the narrative. That's the narrative. You just got to lean in. You just got to keep pushing. 
keep pushing, keep driving. Someday, someday the white people will make a movie about you. <laughs> I like really find it so fascinating. I like, I don't know what about it is so fascinating, but I get so interested in narratives that like frame like oppressed people as like responsible for like how they react to their oppression. Yes. Oh, they explicitly say that in the trailer. The only thing you can control is how you react yeah. to them. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's so fascinating. Just like how you, this is a point that's, I've been just thinking about a lot that like, mm-hmm. you can think you're doing something positive. You're raising awareness about oppression. Yay. And mm-hmm. that's great. But like, no matter what you do, no matter how positive of a thing you think you're doing it will get co-opted by capitalism Mm -hmm. it will be put into neoliberal discourse it will be twisted and co-opted and turned and inverted and like and it will be used against you and so so everyone go watch green book (laughs) (laughs) so we we acknowledge oppression now we we acknowledge that everyone kind of that's like a given that's like part of the discourse like but now, instead of being like, how do we stop oppressing people? We like have this like crazy making discourse of like, oh yes, oppression is very real. So you have to control how you react to it and rise above it. It's this other thing that you have to overcome. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's not the hate you give. It's the it's hate, the hate we give. <laughs> we just watched that. This, yeah, the movie, The Hate You Give. For the record, and, yeah. great movie. Like, great movie. Very happy that police brutality is being tackled in contemporary film. But again, it's... But clearly, clearly, like, it, it, you, it, it looks like the studio came in and there's, like, a hard cut. There's, like, the movie as it was intended... And then there's just a big glowing line where everything afterwards feels like neoliberal, like safe, you know, safe, safe, consumer friendly uh, neoliberal ideals. Like it's not the hate that you give, you know, like they keep saying it's the hate you give. It's the hate you give the cops, the white man. I probably shouldn't say the white man. I'm white. But they're saying, you know, the cops, they hate whatever. The cops hate black people and the hate you give it all comes back to you, right? And that's why there's this. That's why that's why we're rioting in the streets, and that's why everybody hates cops, and you know whatever. And it's, and then they get to the end, and and it's, they have this. She has this realization that it's not the hate that you give, it's the hate that we give, yeah. and it feels like, I don't know. Like we also have to acknowledge black on black crime. Like that can't be ignored either, yeah, guys. Yeah. yeah. Like, because we're responsible. Because you're responsible for your reaction. Right. <laughs> the only thing you can control is your reaction yes. to it. And so, in a way, we're responsible too. I guess <laughs> we're all responsible for police shooting black men. <laughs> <laughs> we're all responsible, just a little oh bit. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um. Yeah. And like. Yeah, I I don't know. I, like, recently saw this app um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that was, like, a mental health app or whatever. Mm -hmm. I think... I forgot what it's called. But it, like, sends you positive thinking, (laughs) like, phrases or something, like, every day. Like, you sign up and then it will, like, text you, like, just believe in yourself or something. (laughs) I don't know. If that, like, helps you, that's good. But, um, (laughs) But it was so fascinating to me how I, like looked at that and it was like 
oh, like, has oppression got you down? Has capitalism got you down? Like, has Trump got you down? Like, you need to practice some self-care around that. Like, We'll send you an emoji of a flower. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll send you some positive thoughts. And yeah, I just, I find it so fascinating. I'm also, you know, the psychiatric survivors movement, as some of you know who are listening, I'm really interested in cultic studies and I'm a cult survivor. And um, the psychiatric survivors movement, which has been a big part of my life, um, has been heavily influenced by a group called reevaluation counseling. Um, and that's kind of this like psychotherapy cult group, um, very coercive and like very much highlighting like personal responsibility. It's really fascinating though. It like acknowledges psychiatric oppression and acknowledges like psychiatric brutality, like institutionalization, forced drugging, like how harmful that is. But then it will like take survivors of this shit and be like, through reevaluation counseling, you can recover enough that you can pass a scene so that you can advocate for your people and advocate for this to stop. And I feel like there's all this discourse around like, you need to like pass a scene or like pass as like being part of this non-marginalized group, like mm -hmm. overcome your marginalized identity so that you can make a contribution so that you can give back and like stop injustices from happening and I, I feel like I don't know I, I feel like it's also really similar to like a lot of like fat like discourse or mm -hmm. like ideas around fat bodies which is like oh like you you need to like just lose the weight and then you can like show everybody how like thin you are and how you have a hot body and how you're still not gonna like you know, you're going to now like stand up for fat people or whatever. Like it's this idea of like, yeah, overcome your identity and then you will make a contribution. Yeah. Um, and then. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, it's this way of like hyper individualizing like oppression. Like we're aware that oppression exists now, but instead of like, yeah, looking at oppressors and being like, what do we do to get them to like acknowledge that they're oppressing people? It's like, how can we help marginalized people like take responsibility and like fight against it or fight that? Like, it's it's so weird. It's such a mind fuck. It really freaks me out. <laughs> Should we start to wrap? Yeah. Do you have anything else? Um, let me look. Yeah, dig deep, deep dive through the notes. Bullet points. I want lightning round of leftover bullet points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The song that Fletcher springs on Andrew at the end, mm -hmm. blue, and then the lights change. When they play Caravan, the lights change to orange because Andrew knows Caravan, and orange is warm, and orange is his feel-good mm -hmm. color, and orange is where he wants to be and when he's in control. Mm, that's interesting. Your turn. Um, I just wrote at the very beginning of the movie, like, thinking about how to frame this, like, just how easy, like, this is how easy of a trap this is to fall for this idea of like oh like it's okay to be disabled if you're just useful if you're just exceptional because it feels good it does it feels so good and it's such an embodiment of like our our values as a society of like the underdog overcoming and rising above and transcending and like 
yeah it's it's just so easy i feel like in my life i will just say like i just feel like i've fallen for it again and again and again and like Mm -hmm. i i think sometimes i feel this certain like inevitability that i will not stop falling for it like Mm -hmm. it's just always gonna be there and that that really scares me and horrifies me um Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like this is the case with almost every disabled person because it's like the whole setup of society is like you have to be useful to someone. And so, um, yeah, I just I, I just found that really interesting how how easy of a trap it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, when Sean Casey, Sean Casey is Fletcher's former student mm-hmm. who Fletcher pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. And then Sean Casey became great. And then Sean Casey committed suicide. Mm -hmm. And all that Fletcher wants to talk about is how good of a player he is. Yeah. Fletcher puts on a CD of him. Talks about what a beautiful, not what a beautiful person, what a beautiful player he was. That's it. That's all he ever was. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's all that Fletcher ever cares about. That's a really good point. Which I feel like... I feel like that really, like, ties into a lot of the celebrity suicides that have happened over the past year. Like, I wonder if that's a really big part of it, that, like, they don't get to be a person anymore. They just get to be, like, a great singer, actress, designer, whatever they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I think it's the same as the YouTube burnout. I think the YouTube burnout phenomenon is the same thing. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Just... Yeah, I don't know. YouTube, yeah, these people on YouTube, yeah, they have to just be the character mm-hmm. all day, every day. Yeah. Constantly. They have to be Snapchatting as the character six times a day. They yeah. have to be posting on it. You, you can't just... I think actors almost have it easier mm-hmm. in some ways, that you can go out and be the character, and then the cameras turn off, and you can put on sunglasses and go out yeah. and just be yourself. Although they still have to maintain, I think, a celebrity persona. Yeah, but I'm saying they get, they don't have to update, they don't yeah. have to be in that celebrity persona every two, you know, yeah. every two hours. You know, they don't They don't have to, they get to be more selective about yeah. turning it on. Okay, I'm going on Conan tonight. Gross. Mm-hmm. Turn it on. You know, that's go home, true. turn it off. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm. Another note that I had was just um, just at the very beginning <laughs> when he's getting um, Fletcher is yelling at Andrew and Andrew is getting upset and like crying and um, and then Fletcher asks, are you upset? And um, and then Andrew was like, no. And he's like, oh, OK, so you don't give a shit about any of this. And then he like asks, like what is it are you upset or do you not give a shit and I felt like that was like I mean first of all that's just so like incredibly abusive you know um yeah shows how abusive his character is but second I I felt like that was such a like representative double bind of the kinds of things that like disabled and mad people are put into that like oh either they're like not showing enough emotion and like they're you know, they don't care and they have no empathy. Like the autistic person who lacks empathy, that's like a total stereotype myth or, or they're like too emotional and oh, you're just upset and nothing you say is valid. Yeah. It's like, it's this like crazy making thing that like you can't have an option that's correct. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, I guess to go back to the idea of control, um, just the car accident, he loses all control of everything. That's that his his ears are ringing. The camera is shaking. His hand is broken. His heart rate is out of control. He's not. He suddenly he's not in control of the pain. But that they use that really well to also show that he's he not only is he not in control of his body. He's not in control of his relationship with Fletcher. Mm-hmm. He's not in control of his life anymore. Just that everything everything is out of his control. Mm-hmm. Um, again, just great little piece of filmmaking and just that the only time the world makes sense or works for him is when his hands are on the steering wheel and if anybody else is driving then he's not happy about it yeah um I wrote also that um just like the way the band members treat each other is just so horribly they're all so competitive and cutthroat with each other and like nasty um and I feel like at the beginning, like, he's nice to the other band members or kind of wants some camaraderie and toward the end, like, starts being, getting, like, meaner and meaner to them. Oh, no, they, I mean, they, yeah, they show there's that, that first scene in the, the opening band, right? Yeah. The, the lower level band, which, by the way, is shot blue. Mm-hmm. Not orange. He wants to be orange. Orange is warm and inviting. And he's in the cold, he's in the, the lower level band where it's blue and he's... He, but, but all everybody there is walking in and high fiving each other. How you doing, man? And how was your weekend? I saw you at that thing, and that was oh, that was so cool and whatever. Mm-hmm. And he wants to be a part of that, and he and he's like looking longingly at all these, you know, whatever the trombonist kind of hanging out and like, hey, man, what's up? How's your girl? Uh, yeah, but that's the that's 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 in blue. Hmm. That's in blue, and that's like he, he. But he wants to be part. Of, he wants. To, he's he's envious of the friendships, but then he doesn't want to be part of the 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 group. And then he joins the group where he does want to be, and it's more competitive. But everyone's dicks. And it's mm-hmm. just a room full of bag full of dicks, and that's where he settles, and that's where he fits in. Yeah, and and he kind of like aligns with them, and I, I just felt like that was like really representative of capitalism. Um, yeah. A good representation that I feel like Fletcher and his like ideas around just like every one of you is replaceable like I'll just throw you out in a second like that's gonna create like meanness that's gonna create competitiveness and yeah yeah. (sighs) Uh, 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 uh. uh yeah I guess I don't know if I don't remember at this point if I mentioned it before or not uh, the idea of connective tissue versus set pieces that like in a screenplay in a film there's like the big scenes right in this case big performances or big rehearsals important important scenes and then there's but you know there's like half a dozen of those scattered through the film and then there's connecting scenes that flesh out characters and subplots and whatever and I think this is where Ghostbusters went wrong when we were trying to figure out like, where would you put more madness in this film? Where would you find more madness? I think the answer is in the set pieces. Mm-hmm. That, like, Whiplash does a wonderful job of expanding on character and motivation throughout these big blowout scenes. 
um, in a way that I think Ghostbusters did not. Ghostbusters sort of puts character to the side while we do lasers and ghosts and jump scares and explosions and fire and Mm -hmm. physical gags. And then they'll and then they'll do a scene with you know a little bit of character, but then they'll leave that alone. I think that's why the characters didn't feel fully realized, and I think that's mm-hmm. I think that that is potentially a metric that we should pay attention to in future movies. Yes. Yeah. More madness is good. Yes. Um. Yeah. Um, another note that I had, I wrote down um, when he said. I don't have the exact quote, but um, I'd rather die at 34, um, like, from a heroin overdose. Um, Like, going down in the history books is one of the greats, um, then sober at 90 and never talked about or never remembered. Um, I think never talked about at a dinner table. Um, Yeah. um, And then someone else retorts, like, well, but your friends would remember you. That's the point. And he's like, ah, you don't get it. Yeah. Yeah, I I found that really interesting. And I, I again, felt like, was that glamorizing the person who dies at 34 from a drug overdose? Um, It's also interesting because I, like, I feel like regarding this debate, there's, like, almost, like, two sides that you can pick from. You can either pick, like the like side that's like morally condemning the like person who you know who says that they want to die that they'd rather die at 34 from a drug overdose you can be like oh like that's no life and like you shouldn't romanticize it and like that's you know that's bad and you you should have friends you should be normal or you can be on the side that's like romanticizing it (laughs) um (laughs) and i yeah, and maybe the movie was, like, very much just trying to, like, strike an in-between. Um, but, yeah, I just, I wish there was, like, a side that was, like, I don't know, like, it's okay to be on drugs, it's okay to be mad, it's okay to be, like, all of these things. Like, it's not, like, morally wrong, but you don't have to justify it by being great or that, like... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. greatness is not like all oh, worth it if you just make people suffer like it shouldn't be a moral imperative I guess either mm-hmm. way is I, I'm like having trouble finding the words for it but yeah I feel like like there's a lot of like narratives in the disability community critiquing the myth of the mad artist who yeah who dies at 34 from a drug overdose or who's like Van Gogh or whatever Mm -hmm. like critiquing this myth and being like oh that romanticizes madness and like madness is not a good experience it's suffering and you know and mad people deserve like treatment or a cure or whatever and like Mm -hmm. I like get frustrated with that because I'm like no like I don't I don't necessarily want to be treated I don't necessarily want to be cured like and I, I don't necessarily want this yeah this idea of like oh like don't romanticize it like no maybe when there's vilification like we can point out some of the positives but then yeah I also really don't like this narrative of like oh like the mad artist who's like it's okay to be mad because he's a great artist it's okay Van Gogh was mad because he was Van Gogh like I I don't like that either so (laughs) I think it's like hard to yeah find the words for like the position I'm trying to take if that makes sense. I think you've described it fairly well. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's something more deep or detailed in your head that 
I'm yeah, not privy yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> but everything that you said makes sense, and I feel like I understand it. Okay, that's good. <laughs> yeah, my last point is just uh, very simple. Uh, Tom Cross, the editor of the film, is a god among men. <laughs> that is all. <laughs> Perfect. From there. Cool. Um... I might cut this, but <laughs> we are looking at doing, uh, what, were we co- what, what were we going with? Working title, Disney in December. Yes. Or something along those lines. We want to do an entire month of Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Pixar is also accepted. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to call those close enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we want your feedback. We want to know what movies you most want to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're going to be putting out polls on, on, on definitely on our Facebook group. Uh, potentially Twitter? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you're hearing this and you like Disney and you have a movie that you want to see covered, vote. Mm-hmm. And uh, fine print, right? Obviously, this is non-binding. That if y'all recommend some really, really bad ones, <laughs> we're not gonna do that. Yeah, we 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 reserve the right to just skip over that and do Mulan like we've always been planning. Yeah. Um, Don't recommend. Wait, what is it called? The one where there's like emotions and shit, like Inside Out. Yeah. Don't recommend Inside Out. Like. <laughs> <laughs> like the whole point of the series is to think creatively about madness. Where yes. does madness show up that we don't think of it as showing up? And, like, Inside Out, like, well, it's not explicitly about madness. It kind of is, and it's kind of read that way. Typically, like, we want... Kind of definitely. <laughs> yeah, we want, like, creative films, so... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said Mulan earlier. We yeah. might not actually do Mulan. That was a... Whatever, name out of a hat. You know, rabbit out of a yeah. hat. Whatever, just... But, like, what if? Yeah. Yeah, what if Mulan is mad? Yeah. I don't know. Um, She's cross-dressing. She's certainly perceived as mad Yeah. in her own universe. That's, that's what does that mean? True, yeah. So just vote. Let us know your suggestions. Tell us what movies you want to talk about, you want to hear. If you want to be a guest on one of them. Mm-hmm. If you have a Disney movie that you really love and you really see madness in please let us know you can be a guest Mm -hmm. also we have a whole month before december and a whole month after december uh that will also be filled with movies and we want your recommendations on those as well so keep pitching them Mm -hmm. keep pitching them keep up the good work keep listening keep subscribing and rating rate us on itunes Leave a review, um, and we'll catch you on the flippy flop. <laughs> Mad love. Bye. <laughs>